Thank you for listening to the Relationship Church Podcast. This message is the third in the series regarding the mission of the church. This series takes place outdoors in the historic Forest Park in St. Louis, Missouri. Our pastor, Ryan Neal, shares the purpose of Relationship Church. It is to fulfill the Great Commission, teaching the conventional doctrine in a different way. We now join the message already in progress. Last, uh, the week before last, uh, we talked about salvation. We talked about the gospel in general, right? Because without salvation, uh, without the gospel, then really there is no reason for church. Without salvation, without the gospel, then there's really no reason at all for the church. There obviously can only be one foundation, right? So no matter what church you go to, no matter what country you're in, no matter what state in the United States, if it's not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's not a church. That is one thing that unites us all, is that Jesus Christ was crucified and that he shed his blood for sinners. And because of his love and him shedding his blood, now we are able uh, to join into the beloved, as the, as the scripture calls it, and we are able to be, um, um, to be saved, okay? And that is where our salvation comes from. Galatians 1, uh, chapter, Galatians chapter number 1 and verse number 6, it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So this is uh, Paul talking to the church, uh, the Galatian church, and they're turning away. He said, you're already turning away to a different gospel, something else that is being preached that's not Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he says in verse seven, which is not another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So he's saying it's not actually another gospel because anything other than Jesus Christ and him crucified is not the gospel at all. Verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than we have preached to you, let him be cursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be cursed. For do I now persuade men or essentially am I now trying to impress men or am I trying to impress God? Or do I seek to please men for if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant to Christ, he says. So that was week one. We talked about salvation because without that, we may as well just pack up our chairs and go home, right? The next week, we talked about our specific mission for this church. And the specific mission for this church, I'll read it to you. Our mission at Relationship Church is to lead every believer into a deeper relationship with Christ Jesus by ridding ourselves of mere religion, ritual, traditionalism, and focusing instead on spiritual growth, spiritual growth. And we believe that that is one of the things that sets our church out a little bit differently because we are really focused on spiritual growth. While some churches are more focused on spiritual, I'm sorry, more focused on church growth, our church will never be more focused on church growth than we'll be focused on spiritual growth. What do I mean by that? I mean, we will never be more focused on trying to get a bunch of people to come in the doors and allow that to take over the focus of developing you as individuals and making you stronger in God, okay? 
Now, and I, and I hope that those of you that are here and those of you especially that have been faithful feel that you have been developed over the course of the time that you have been here. Um, and, and you should, otherwise you probably shouldn't be still coming here. Um, but that is our real mission of this church is to develop believers into something more than casual Christians. We're really not looking for uh, uh, a, a whole bunch of, as Sister Mary Clarence would put it, butts in the seats. Somebody got that reference, Sister Anne, okay. Um, we're not just looking to get a bunch of people in the seats. We're looking to develop the people that are there, to see those people grow and deeper in Christ. We're looking to see those people grow. And how do we do that? We talked about it last week. Maturity in Christ comes through love. He, he gave that as the benchmark of how to know that we are Christians. By this, he says in the book of John, Jesus talking, and he says, by this shall you know, shall all men know that you are my disciples. Why? How? By the love that is on the inside of you, by the love that is among you. And not just saying love, but figuring out what it means to love, what it means to love God, what it means that he loves us what it means to love one another and the community around us, okay? What does that really mean to show love? To, to, to uh, John says somewhere else, it's in First John, he says and he writes, God is love. To know what that means, that God himself is love. John loved love, okay? He called himself literally in the book of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's like referring to himself in third person. He wrote it. And he's like the disciple whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know. But he understood that that was the crux of salvation. That was the crux of spiritual maturity. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then he went back when they said, well, what's the greatest commandment? And he said that you love. Now, I love, and that's why you were able to be saved. I love, and that was the great commission, to go baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit, which we know is the name of Jesus. The disciples understood that. But at the same time, he says, now that's the great commission. But there's also a great commandment. Now the great commission will save you, but the great commandment will mature you. And so he says that spiritual maturity through love, his love for us, and our love for others. This is how people are going to know who we are. So then this week, I wanna to talk to you about our purpose, and I'll read that to you. Our purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission by teaching the conventional doctrine of the apostles all thrown through unconventional means. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about today is that last part, the conventional gospel, because we're not changing that. He said, if anybody come preaching anything else, it didn't come from God and let that person be cursed. But it's the conventional gospel or the tradition of the gospel, the word of God, but we have to find ways as we progress through the years to teach it in unconventional ways. I just happen to have a program with me. And this is one reason that we do some of the things that we do. Uh, at our church, and COVID has definitely slowed us down. 
But one of the things in this program from a few years back is we did something called Coins for Clothes, where we went into the laundromat. Many of you were here, and you remember that. We went into one of the laundromats down in the city and gave out coins for washing clothes, the baby shower that Jessica does every year. These aren't just us doing things for community service because it's nice. Yes, it's needed. The Bible says the poor you will always have with you. But one of the reasons that we do these things is to show the love of Christ. So even if they don't end up coming to our church, these people will say, man, that church show love. I want to go to a church like that. I want to find somewhere where I can feel the love of God. And so we look for ways to do those things through unconventional means. Now, before we get too far, I want to read to you our scripture for today. And it is found in John chapter number four. John chapter four, I'll read it to you. Uh, it is John chapter number four. And I'm going to begin with verse number 27. Now, before this, what was going on, and as you guys know, we've been keeping these short, so I'm almost done, so just stick with me. What was going on up to this time? It was a woman at the well. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, and the woman at the well began to run into town and begin to say, could this be Christ? This is the man who has told me everything that I've ever done. He literally, as the uh, young people would say today, read her for filth. He told her all about herself and all her husbands that she had had. And she's like, wait a minute, even in convicting her, look at that, even in convicting her of her sin, because of the anointing that he had on him, because of the wisdom that he had in doing it, she went and became an immediate evangelist for the word of God. He didn't tell her a foo-foo message. He didn't tell her about how, you know, if she turned around three times and dip her uh, uh, pail down in the well, that the dry well was going to give her some water and, Somebody was going to buy her some horses and chariots. He literally read her and told her, you didn't have all these husbands. And the one you with now, living with him, he ain't your husband. And that true, even though it was conviction, even though it was conviction of sin and it didn't feel good because she was ready, because he had the wisdom in the way that, she, that he did it, this woman came to Christ. Now watch this. The disciples had went to buy food and they're coming back. And it says, and at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot. Notice that the whole reason she came there, the natural reason that she came there for, she left it. Okay. And went her way into the city and said to men, see, there's something about finding Jesus that will make you forget about all the natural stuff you came from. She came there to get water. But how many of you have a testimony that there were some things that you desired before you gave your life to Christ and you don't have those desires anymore? She left her water pot. Verse 29, it says, come see a man who told me about things that I ever did. Could this be Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said one to another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. What does he mean by that? My desire. My natural desire has to be, a, my spiritual desire has to be eclipsed by the natural desire to see the will of God done. He said, it's to do and finish the work. He says, do you say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white with harvest. And he, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, 
that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for what you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. He says that the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Getting back to our mission, we are, or I'm sorry, our vision, we, our purpose, excuse me, we are to win people for Christ. We are to be winning souls for Christ. The same word that Jesus spoke to his disciples is the word that he is speaking to us today, that the fields are white with harvest. What does that mean? A farmer looks out, especially in those days, they got all kind of technology today, but in those days, the way that they knew that it was time to harvest, it wasn't just the time of year that it was, but they're able to look out at the field and say it's time based on the way that the field looks. At a certain time of year, the tips of the wheat would become white and they would say, okay, it's time to harvest this wheat. And what he was saying is that the same eye that the farmer has for the natural field is the same eye I need the saints to have for the spiritual field. I need them to be able to look and have the wisdom and know who it is that needs to be led to Christ. I need them to be praying prayers like, Lord, lead me to a hungry soul today. Lord, lead me to someone today who needs to hear a word from you. Lead me to someone today, Lord, that I can minister your word to, that I can tell your good news to, that I can preach your gospel to. Because why? Because the fields are white with harvest, but the laborers are few. And many times, if we're not careful, we're out preaching to the wrong people because we don't have the wisdom that it takes. If, if you allow the Lord to give you wisdom, then you won't necessarily go casting your pearls before the swine, as the scripture says. Because there are times where, you know, it's not your specific time to minister to a certain person or a certain group of people. Maybe it might come in another time, but the Bible tells us that a wise person wins souls. Specifically, it's in Proverbs, and he says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. So he's saying that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So that means the byproduct of righteousness is life. So that's the first part. We've got to have life. We've got to have something that people want. People have to see something in us that's different from everybody else around them. But then past that, we have to be able to look around us and see who God wants us to speak to, who God wants us to minister to, because it takes wisdom to win souls. Amen? He says in John 4 and 35, say not, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. That word white that he uses there, it's not just the white of the field or the tips of the wheat. It's the exact same word white that he uses when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Bible says that his garment became white, that no fuller or the laundryman or the cleaners could whiten it. It's the same white 
that is translated from the Hebrew when he talks in Isaiah and says, come let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, yet I will make them as white as snow. It's a white of purity. And that is what God wants. He wants us to be transfigured before him. He wants to take our scarlet. He wants to take our sins and make them as white as snow. But then he wants us to take that and not just wear salvation as a badge of honor, like many of us have done for year in and year out, but we ought to be in a position to be able to share that with somebody else. The thing I love about the blood of Jesus is that it doesn't lose any potency if you share it with somebody else. And that is what we are called to do here at Relationship Church. We are called to, in this lost and dying world, God give us the wisdom to look around in this park and be able to see, okay, this person needs God. And this person is ready for God. And not just going out, well, you know, I talk about God all the time. Well, that's good. That's good. But what kind of life are you living? Because many times the Bible that people around you are reading are not the words that you say, but the way that you walk. I want to explain one thing to you in closing. This is something specifically about our church, and we're going to get more into detail next week about what our specific plan is and what our specific thought process was behind winning souls for relationship church. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. we got to get back to this stuff. But this is why it's good to have times where we talk about things like this. My original plan for this month is I was like, it's Relationship Church's fifth birthday celebration. Let's bring in a different guest speaker, some of our favorites from over the years, and let's have a birthday celebration for Relationship Church. And Jessica was like, that's corny. Don't do that. Um, and I was like, I thought it was a good idea. But then the Lord showed me, no, this is a time to pull us back. This is a time to pull us back to what the real roots were behind starting this church. Because we really didn't start a church just to start a church. We really didn't. We didn't start a church to be just like everybody else's church. We didn't start a church because we thought that it was a good thing to do. We didn't start a church because I wanted power, you know, because I don't look at this as a position of power. I look at it as a position of servitude. I've got a, I had a position of power in my law firm, in my company, but my position here in Relationship Church is servitude. And even my kids at their age realized that because my son would always ask me, Daddy, you know, at your, at your uh, office, you're the boss, right? He would always ask me that when he was younger. And at the time, I didn't even have nobody working for me, really. Maybe part-time, some like independent contractors doing some little paralegal work or whatever. But, but he always knew I was in charge, even in the new firm that I've merged with, you know, he'll ask me, you're one of the bosses there, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, kind of, kind of the boss, you know, whatever. But he has never once asked me if I was the boss here. Not one time has he ever asked me was I the boss at Relationship Church, not even alluded to it. He probably wonders why I'm the one with the microphone most of the time. Probably don't even really understand it. But he even understands at that age, because of the way that we operate, we didn't do it for fame. I'm probably the only person that you know, and I'm really not trying to talk myself up. I'm just trying to make it clear to you. I'm probably the only person you know that really, 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 really wanted to be somebody else's assistant pastor. I really did. It started in the beginning, probably about 19 years old. The Lord called me to preach, and I wanted to be a traveling evangelist. I really did. That was my heartfelt desire, because I didn't want to deal with people 
the Lord, the Lord has worked on me. Don't worry. Y'all like, okay, oh Lord, what new? How we end up in this church? Um, the Lord has really worked on me. But that was, I said, Lord, I want to go preach your word and I want to leave and fly out. And the pastor can deal with that. All the counseling, all the, you know, whatever. Somebody else can deal with that stuff. And so that was really my heart's desire. Um, this gentleman that I really had a lot of respect for when I was younger, named Elder John Strain, he made a comment to me um, like early on in ministry. I was taking a class and he said, you're gonna be an awesome pastor one day. And he said it so flippantly. At that time, I had never thought about being a pastor. I was maybe 20, 21. And I was like, oh no. And uh, that, I was like, never, never that. And he just kind of, he rebuked me. He said, you don't say that, young man. You say whatever the Lord's will is for my life. That's what I'm gonna do. And I was like, whatever the Lord's will is for my life. That's what I'm gonna do, you know. I wasn't excited about it at all. But then the Lord started kind of showing me and I said, okay, Lord, you know, it's something that I'll do, I'll do this. Um, and so then in my head, I said, okay, well, well, the plan now, I'll go to somebody else's church. I'll be a really good assistant pastor for them. I'll do this for years and years and years. And then about 45 or so, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and preach. I mean, I'll go ahead and pastor that church. So the church we were going to, I already had, you know, I mean, I intended for him to live a long life, but I had already planned out his demise. I was like, so he'll probably pass away, uh, you know, and then I'll be, okay, and then don't none of his sons preach, so uh, they're not going to be trying to get it. So this is the church where the Lord want me to pastor. And I was literally there thinking, like, okay, about another 20 years, he'll be ready to hang it up and retire, and then I'll step in, and I'll start taking over this church. I'll be about 45 then, because that's the way I saw people that I knew do it. And I went through with that thought process, started going to seminary. And while I was in seminary, that's when the Lord actually called me to start a church. And I really felt like God was being very sneaky. It was like every time I turned around, it was something new. First it was, uh, you know, first it was that I was supposed to preach. And I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'm like, okay, I'll be a preacher or an evangelist or an assistant pastor. Then it was like, no, you're supposed to pastor. Then it was like, start a church. And I remember the day that he called me to start a church. And this is, this is getting to the purpose behind Relationship Church. I was sitting there in this class called Revival and Revivalism. And while I was sitting there in that class, the professor in that class, very wise man, he actually writes Sunday school curriculum. Uh, he's the general editor for uh, the United Pentecostal Church named Robin Johnson. And he's teaching this class and he's talking about how this concept of what he called old light versus new light. And he was talking about how this old life concept that, you know, many of our you know, parents and grandparents had with regards to church uh, was, was causing some issues, essentially, because it was causing a whole age group of people to kind of fall off. They didn't want the traditional church. They didn't want church as they had seen it, as their parents had seen it, as their grandparents and their great-grandparents had seen it. And they were beginning to fall off. Um, and there was this huge gap. And we'll get more into that gap next week. But there was this huge gap. And I remember being at, the, at a church at that time. And it was the church I just told you about. But I, could, I was working with the pastor there. But it was weird because it was like he had the old life, which is still necessary. And that's why I can say, you know, you guys know what church it is. It's not a bad thing. Old life was still necessary for his generation and for those people. But then there was this emerging new life that I was trying to force into this old life system. 
Now it's both light, okay? And it's both bright. One is not better than the other. But there's a traditional light, and maybe that's a better way, a traditional light and a non-traditional light. And I asked Professor Johnson, I said, how do you get the old light to convert to the new light? And he said, that's not how it works. You have to start a church. And I was like, oh. And then it hit me. And the Lord spoke in me stronger than I had heard him in a long time. And he said, no, you have to start a church. And I'm like, no, he just meant, Lord, he just meant the per somebody, you know, somebody got to start a church to have a new life. No, you have to start a church. And that was the day that the general idea even ever first passed my head that there was going to be a church that I had to start. I didn't want that, but that was not what God called me to. God called me to something where the vision that he had for our church could go forth without regard to the way anything had been set up, the way that traditional church was done. And I believe that that's why many of you are here because of that new light concept. So our vision, which we'll get to next week, talks about the specific vision and wisdom behind our church plan. But I just want to leave you for now with this. There was a reason for Relationship Church. There was a reason that Relationship Church was different. There is a people that we as Relationship Churchers are called to. And we have to begin to seek the Lord because we know that the fields are white with harvest and not all of that field is ours. Not all that field is ours. Some of that field is the church down the street. Some of that field is for the church that I came from. Some of that field is for the church that maybe you came from before you came from here. And we all work together corporately, okay? We, all we care about is the field being harvested. We don't care who's born the wheat goes into once it's harvested. That doesn't matter. We are praying for ourselves, just like we're praying for this church down the street that they harvest. This is not a family business. This is not us four and no more. We are just one branch of many different branches of one church. But for us, we have to begin to seek the Lord and ask the Lord who in this field of harvest is for relationship church. Who in this field of harvest, God, are you calling me to? God, lead me to a soul that is hungry to hear you, to hear your word, and someone who would fit right into relationship church like a puzzle piece. There's literally been people over the years that have talked to me about coming to relationship church, and I've asked them questions. Like, you know, the kind of questions that a lot of pastors don't ask because pastors always want you to come to their church. I, I'm not like that. I want you to come here if this is where God has called you to. But the last thing I want somebody to do is uproot themselves from where they are planted and come here and not be satisfied and cause us a bunch of drama, right? No, this church is not for everybody, but it is for somebody. And there are some people out there waiting to come here, but they've never heard about it. There are some people out there that would be perfect pieces to the puzzle that, that we need at this church that are out there that you know, 
friends, family members, cousins, and they don't even know that we're here. They don't even know anything about our church. Why? Because we haven't told them. Why? Because we haven't prayed, God, lead me to that hungry soul today. People you're walking by at work, people that uh, you may already know, people that you uh, meet, these are people that should be here, but they don't know because we haven't prayed. God, give me the wisdom to harvest the wheat. Give me the wisdom, God, to, to know how to speak to this person that needs you. Because they can need God, and you can be right there, and you can talk to them, and they still not be converted because you didn't have the wisdom of what to say. But we are praying, and we're going to pray. God, give us the wisdom to harvest. Give us the wisdom to labor. Give us the wisdom to plant. Give us the wisdom to water. Give us the wisdom, Lord, to harvest. Because the field is white with harvest, but the laborers are few. Father, we come before you. God, we thank you for this time with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time that we've had to hear your word. God, we thank you, Lord God, for every single one of us today, Lord Jesus, to have a new fervor and a new desire to win people to you. God, you said that a wise man will his souls. Lord, we want your wisdom in knowing how to win souls. God, we thank you, Lord, for the fruit that comes from salvation that we enjoy ourselves. But God, we ask you right now to give us the second part of that, Father, the wisdom to win souls. God, we give you the glory, we give you the praise, we give you the honor. God, we thank you for the things taken for granted, like even the weather today. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.